Now the small group of distress line staff, volunteers and news reporters watched him closely as he brushed back a stray forelock of his greying hair and leaned closer to the microphone. Nearly all of us suffer from depression at some time in our lives, he began. But there can be nothing worse than the appalling finality of a man who believes he has no alternative but to take his own life. Why is the question we always ask afterwards. He paused before shaking his head. But there is only ever one person who truly knows the answer. As always, it didn't matter at all that his speech lacked clever wordplay or that his jacket was dishevelled and tie askew. He spoke from the heart, and his conviction was compelling. In the semi-dark of his hotel room, Nathan Strauss followed the words of the speech he knew almost by heart to its conclusion. How he believed it was the duty of every company to give something back to society. The work done by Distress Line and the high value he placed on it. And his final line, I believe we all have a responsibility to give choices to those who find themselves in despair. There was the applause and whir of flash cubes as he handed over the cheque for £5 million to the director of Distress Line. A TV news reporter wrapped up the item, saying how Distress Line would use the donation to improve counselling facilities throughout Europe. Then it was back to the newsroom and an item on Northern Ireland. Getting up from the armchair, Nathan walked over to a drinks cabinet, pouring himself a single malt with ice. Behind him, framing the open doors that led out to his ninth-floor balcony, gold damask curtains swayed in the early evening breeze. Half an hour later, Park Lane was a chaos of wailing police sirens and the flashing lights of emergency service vehicles. A gathering crowd was already pressing up against the hastily erected police cordon. Paparazzi were moving into position on the roofs of nearby cars and vans, adjusting their telephoto lenses for the most saleable picture of the night. The alarm had been raised by a motor salesman from a nearby BMW branch who had been walking along the pavement. The body had tumbled down only metres in front of him and had bounced several times with such sickening force that the motor salesman hadn't even bothered to stop, rushing instead into the hotel lobby to report the incident before being overwhelmed by shock. Hotel security had been on the scene within seconds, laying a dark blanket over the shattered, bleeding body as their colleagues hurried up to Suite 901 where they found the half-finished glass of whisky. When the police arrived on the scene a few minutes later, they identified the body as that of Nathan Strauss, husband of Madeline and father of Sarah and Rebecca, chief executive of Starware, a man whose personal net worth was estimated at £5.3 billion, and wearing the same suit he'd had on earlier in the day when presenting Distress Line with its largest ever donation. Police said an investigation into the cause of his death would be launched, but foul play was not suspected. Chapter 1 Chris Trieger would never forget the eight words that changed his life. He'd been working late at the office one night in early July when the phone rang. As soon as he heard the ebullient voice at the other end, he'd wondered how to cut short the call. Bill Brewster, 
a high-pressure PR headhunter, had been hounding him for weeks about a phenomenal career opportunity, paying vast sums of money for which he was ideally suited. Chris had heard it all before. At 32 years of age and Mira's youngest director, he got calls from recruitment agents every month, and with offers a lot more appealing than working for some PR shop. Chris had already told Brewster he wasn't interested, but the headhunter was back and making a virtue of his persistence. He didn't usually try to change people's minds, he declared. It was just that in this case the fit was so perfect he would be doing Chris the greatest disservice if he didn't at least suggest that Chris reconsider. Wasn't it worth an initial meeting? It was then that Chris had made his tactical error. It might, he conceded, looking out at where the summer sun still burned above the horizon, even though it was past eight o'clock. But I'm really up against it right now. And I